This is a Sandy Boy Productions podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to All Have Another Podcast with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay. Thank you so much for being here today. Today, we are wrapping up our Nutrition for Athletes series, and we are finishing up this series with another episode with my friend, sports dietitian, Anna Turner. In this episode of the podcast, we talk about balancing our meals with carbs, protein, and fat, and what percentages of each of those things should land on our plates. Anna breaks down what different athlete plates look like depending on the intensity of your workouts. And then she also breaks down carbohydrates and how many carbohydrates you need while fueling for endurance events. I found this episode super helpful and I really hope you do too. Big, big thanks to Anna for continuing to be a part of this series and educating us on all things nutrition and endurance sports. You all are going to want to make sure you're following Anna on Instagram. She is Anna Turner underscore sports nutrition over there. Several of the athletes I work with also work with Anna and she has been a game changer for all of them. So thank you so much, Anna, for participating in this series. We are so grateful to have you. So this episode is sponsored by Inside Tracker. I'm so grateful to have them on board for the podcast. And there's really no better fit than Inside Tracker for this series specifically. Inside Tracker was created by leading scientists in aging genetics, biometrics, and Inside Tracker analyzes your blood, DNA, and fitness tracking data to identify where you're optimized and where you are not. We put so much time and energy into running or whatever it is you personally are passionate about. And I just think to be able to know what your levels are, especially for your iron and things like that, it's key. So with Inside Tracker, they will take your blood panel and then they will give you those results and give you an ultra personalized performance system that analyzes all the data from your blood, DNA, lifestyle, and it will help you learn how to optimize your body and reach your goals. For a limited time, you can receive 20% off the entire Inside Tracker store when you go to insidetracker.com slash another. If you go to that exact landing page, that should automatically apply the 20%. If that's not working, just use the code another and that will get you 20% off. All right, friends, enjoy my conversation with Anna. Today, back on the podcast, Anna, you might be my <laughs> highest all-time returning guest, registered <laughs> sports dietitian Anna Turner is back on the show. Welcome back, Anna. Thank you. I'm excited to be back. Okay. So we are breaking down some major nutrition stuff today. We're breaking down meals, like mm-hmm. training aside, also meals when you're hardcore into training, and we're breaking down how you should be fueling while you're actually doing mm-hmm. doing your runs. Yep. So let's just start with the real basics here about the breakdown of like percentage of carbs, protein, and fat for athletes in your everyday meals. Good question. So <clears throat> when it comes to athletes, uh, well, let's just, I guess, start with the normal person and then we'll work our way into the athlete because we all can be normal at times. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, I encourage so- it. 
So um, let's start with the USDA My Plate. So the USDA My Plate is half of your plate fruits and vegetables, a quarter of your plate of carbohydrate. So say that's 50% of your daily allotments coming from fruits and vegetables, and then 25% is coming from your carbohydrates, um, and then 25% is coming from protein. So you can think of it as percentages such as 50, 25, 25, or just simply you know looking at what a plate would look like. Now, that is appropriate for anybody who is working out for like an hour or less per day. Okay. And that's, that's not an hour of like high intensity exercise. That's right? like, that's is that like a 30 minute walk yoga, and like yeah, okay. walking yoga, easy cycling, um, you know, something that the, that can be general recommendations. Right. Yeah. So once we get into actually training, um, and, you know, hitting mileages per week and doing like hard efforts, or even if you're mixing in like a couple days of orange theory, which is high intensity training mixed in with your running, um, you know, our, our utilization um, and need for different nutrients starts to change. So we have then two extra plates that are added to um, what we can use. And those are the uh, moderate athlete day plate and the hard athlete day plate. So there's actually three total. The easy one is the same thing as the USDA my plate. So total there are three. Most of us, you know, when we're normal people, we eat the easy athlete plate. And then as we start training, we bump it up to the moderate plate. And then as you know, our, our training gets even uh, more intense and longer and um, higher intensity, we bump it up to the hard athlete plate. Real quick. So when you talk about like a hard athlete plate, I'm assuming when I hear that you're talking about like, I ran 15 miles today or like I did an hour run with some interval training and I also lift did a lifting for 30 minutes. That would be like mm -hmm. a hard athlete plate day. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Um, so, okay. I think that most people when they're, let's, let's say we're training for a marathon. Cause like we have a lot of listeners that are training for marathons. I know a lot of listeners don't necessarily do marathons, but let's use the marathon as an example. Typically when I build out a training plan and I think a lot of people kind of work similarly, I, I want your base if possible to be running 20, 25 miles a week when we start. And then we build for like five ish weeks. And then I always do like a recovery week and then I build and I really tailor that per athlete. I don't think that there's one way to do it. I think that there's a lot mm -hmm. of different ways people do micro cycles and, um, People do it different ways, but I typically build in a recovery week, like once every five weeks, depending on how long the training session is. But let's just for this conversation, because I think a lot of marathon training plans are like 16 weeks. Mm -hmm. So let's say we're starting our marathon training plan around 20 to 30 miles per week. We build, build, build. We do a cutback week. We build, build, build. We do a cutback week and then we build and then we taper. Okay. Mm -hmm. So say we mm -hmm. have... Three builds with two cutback weeks and a taper, okay? Um, mm -hmm. So why don't we just start with like when we're starting to build. So we're starting to get more mm -hmm. hungry because we're doing more miles and our body's starting to get more. Like I'd say about four weeks into your training plan, you're like, okay, I can see I'm working mm -hmm. here, you know? Mm -hmm. When we start out marathon training, uh, we could be coming from a place of, you know, having rested for, you know, a couple weeks. So maybe we're in the easy athlete play area where we're training for less than an hour per day. 
right? We're just kind of, maybe we were on a break from our last marathon and we're just kind of doing some fun training. And then we start into this new plan and we're in the build phase, like you mentioned. I think, like you mentioned, once you're like four weeks in and you really start to feel that build week, that's where we need to switch to the moderate plate. Okay. Um, and I feel like you had, uh, so so we switched to the moderate plate for the build phase. Um, and then we weave in the hard athlete plate throughout, okay. right? So it's not, it doesn't have to be like, you are moderate plate for the entire week. And then you're the hard athlete plate for the entire next week. I, with marathon runners, I, I definitely see it more moderate plate, like during the week and the hard athlete plate on the weekends. Cause that's generally when you get in your long runs. So give us the breakdown of the moderate in the hard mm-hmm. athlete plate compared to the 50, 50, 25, 25. We talked about in the easy. Yep. So your protein is still at 25%. Um, you just take the, that was vegetables and it gets reduced down to, you know, uh, I think it's like a third. So 33%. So we have a third of our plate vegetables, a third of our plate carbohydrates. um, And then we still maintain that 25%. When you say carbohydrate though, like, yeah, because fruits and vegetables are mixed, but so many fruits are carbs. Mm -hmm. So like, do they Mm -hmm. play into that? They can. Um, Yes. I, so fruits and but fruits can with vegetables you have your non-starchy veggies and yeah. your starchy veggies yeah. so that one's a little bit more clear. Fruits definitely have carbohydrates in them. They're also ninety percent water. Yeah. So for most of my athletes, it's okay if the the, the carbs and fruits kind of blend in, um, and there's not this distinct line. Okay. It's the athletes who I'm really worried about getting in enough fuel that I start to be a little bit more critical. Okay. Right. But if you're someone who is, you know, your body composition is generally in a good place, you have good lab values, um, like you're training moderately well, um, everything feels good, I would kind of, you know, just third of my plate, fruits and veggies, third of my plate, carbohydrates. Um, If some fruits end up on the carb side, that's totally fine. I really want a baked potato to not be in the carb part. I really want it to be considered on the veggie side. (laughs) Well, the good thing is, is that carbs are always present on your plate. Yes. Oh, you never have to question that with me. I know we have an episode coming out with on carb loading too, or it's coming out before this one. And I'm like, what if you're someone that is always carb loading? And I think that's the name of the game here for my everyday life. One thing, like, I feel like you're kind of leading me into this called the metabolic cart testing. Oh boy. So, so when you were saying, um, you were saying, you know, is, does it matter if you have fruits on your, on your carbohydrate side, right? Yeah. So there's obviously a difference in um, having only fruits and vegetables on the fruit and veggie side and only starchy, like whole wheat pasta, whole wheat bread. Um, and the types of carbs obviously matter as well, right? Um, so that fuel then, you know, when you burn, are you burning mostly carbs? Are you burning carbs and fat? Are you burning mostly fat that can be manipulated by your diet, which is super interesting, but you can only know that by actually getting a metabolic cart test, um, which is, didn't used to be something that you could just go get. But I, I think I was telling you recently, Indianapolis actually has one. Now there's this place called vision quest where you can go get one of those tests done um, and then you can see how much carbohydrate you burn at what intensities. 
So I, I know I'm kind of skipping ahead here because I kind of took your concept of, you know, is it okay if we get our carbohydrates from fruits? And the answer is yes, it totally is. And in some cases could actually be better. Um, I just can't confirm that information without seeing your metabolic cart results. Okay. How much does but a test like can, that run you? I, I mean, it's definitely less than 300. Yeah. Okay. I'm thinking between 150 and 300. So like just depending on who you, like your body and how, how intensely you're working out and like, does your age and your gender and all that factor into how you burn those things? It does. Um, what's so interesting though, is that you can actually change. Um, so here, I want to show you this. Look on, <laughs> look on page two. Did you, did yeah. you get your, okay. Look on page two. Do you see that chart there? Yeah. Of like, it says VO2 max in the red line. So the chart that um, I'm showing you right there is the chart that shows what you burn at what intensities. So I know I'm skipping ahead and I'm kind of already diving into the what we're burning when we're physically working out section. Go ahead. Um, Go all in. But this is super interesting because this is the general information, right? This is what we have to make assumptions on if we don't have your metabolic cart data. Um, but through nutrition, you can actually move that carbohydrate line further down so that you burn less carbs. So I think that that um, oftentimes gets confused. Totally. Or, I'm confused right um, now. Like manipulated in media because of things like the keto diet. Yeah. Right. But nothing has to ever be all one direction, right? Yes. All carbohydrates or all fat diet. It definitely like everything else that is, you know, life is in the middle. Yeah. Um, so anyway, that chart I think is so interesting because again, we make assumptions and prescribe fueling based on um, intensities of how you're running based on that chart. But if we have that metabolic cart information, then we can manipulate your nutrition, throw hot, throw more fruit in your carb section, throw more higher fiber vegetables um, in your carb and vegetable section and see how that actually changes the substrate at which you're burnt. So super interesting. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, it just makes you be more intentional too, about what you're putting in your body. This is always such a hard topic for me because I'm like to talk about with such a large audience because I, I get concerned with people who have eating disorders but I'm like, maybe a conversation like this isn't the right conversation for someone who really struggles with that because I don't want anybody to manipulate. Take one recommendation and like, yeah, and yeah. like mess with what they've already figured out mm -hmm. or, you know, their mental mm -hmm. health of that. But um, I do think that like if we're trying to run as fast as we can and be as strong as we can in these races, like looking into these things are super important. Mm -hmm. Like if, if mm -hmm. you're spending all this time training, let's yeah. like, let's like figure out. I, I think that's the information a lot of times marathoners are asking for and not just marathoners, endurance athletes, right? Endurance athletes are asking for this type of information. How can I manip manipulate my nutrition to essentially give myself more energy for longer. Yes. But the, you know, things like the keto diet kind of dive in and, and take the the spotlight when they really don't need to be something that drastic. So so let me ask you this. So you're saying, you know, for a long distance runner, like ideally we can serve as many carbs as possible so that when we're at mile twenty three of the marathon, we still have some to burn. 
Yes. Now, don't be confused by the word conserve, though, because conserve means that we have changed the way your body processes or like we've changed the way you metabolize okay. fat and carbs. So it's not you conserving like you're just restricting yourself from carbs during the run. Oh, yeah. I definitely don't want it to sound like that. No, no, no. It's yeah. It's we manipulate through nutrition the point at which you burn carbohydrates in your heart rate, you know, as your heart rate climbs. Okay. So what is added to the diet to make us be more efficient with that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot of times it's a better distribution of higher fiber items. Um, and more, I guess I would say, yeah, I'm going to say higher fiber and more whole food carbohydrates. Yeah. Right. I think all of us can kind of fall down that slippery slope of, you know, easy, easily accessible carbohydrates versus actually chopping up the sweet potato, purchasing the whole wheat pasta, um, getting in, um, the whole food carbohydrates. I've gotten really bad about eating, always eating like white pasta. Mm-hmm. I just do. Well, I, mean, I like when how it's the thing your kids like, you know, know, or it's it's hard. Um, I will say that my um, nutrition has evolved with, you know, my teachings. Um, you know, ha- I don't know, kind of what I'm focusing on at that time. Yeah, like when you know, when I was pregnant, I was not focusing on stuff like this. It was, you know, just kind of manipulating my nutrition to be the healthiest as possible. Um, but I just, I think it's super interesting that your diet really can impact how you burn fuel and actually make you a more efficient marathon runner. Okay. So I have a question. So we start with the easy athlete plate. We kind of move up to the medium athlete plate, sprinkling in the hard athlete plate, depending on what our workouts Mm -hmm. are that day. Then when we have that recovery week, I do notice that on recovery weeks, I'm usually just as hungry as I am Mm -hmm. on the build weeks because my body's kind of like still in that mode. Um, So do we still stick to those medium athlete plates on those weeks? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I, my first question would be, so you're talking about a recovery week within the training plan, obviously not taper. taper, So I would say like for me, recovery weeks, what I prescribe people and I, you know, I'm probably do this differently with a lot of people than a lot of people listening or their coaches do, because I am a very conservative, um, training plan writer (laughs) and coach, because I just am so, I'm so focused on the whole self person. And Mm -hmm. I know from my experience, I need breaks physically, Mm -hmm. emotionally, mentally. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so I'm very, very cognizant of building those break weeks in. And so Mm -hmm. Um, when I do a break week, I'll, I'll taper down. Like if someone has a 16 mile long run the week before, and we're taking a cutback week, I'll, I'll make that long run nine or 10 miles. And Mm -hmm. I'll, and then I'll also won't do speed work that week. I'll just do all easy running except for like a day of strides. So it's basically just like a break week for your body to kind of reset. Yeah. I would say you could definitely do the easy athlete plate during that week. And then I would still bump it back up to the medium for that nine or 10 mile day. Okay. Yeah. 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 Um, What if you're still hungry though? Like drink more water. (laughs) Yeah. Well, if you're still hungry though, I mean, you repeat the plate. Yeah. So if you're still, I mean, what you would be experiencing there. Yeah. Is that calories would be lower because you would be having more uh, fruits and vegetables versus like a, you know, a denser carb. Yeah. So yeah. So calories would be lower. So you would just repeat the plate if you're still hungry. You're just Um, keeping the portion, the percentage of each category the same. Exactly. Exactly. Gotcha. Okay. That makes sense. 
Okay, so let's just recap the fuel based on intensity. Okay, as a marathon runner at rest, you are burning mostly fat. And then as you start to um, start running and you're running you know, at a higher intensity, higher heart rate, higher heart rate, you have a curve effect and you start to add more and more and more carbs um, for energy. So somewhere in the middle, it becomes, that's what is termed your VO2 max, where the fat and carbohydrate utilization cross over. So that I think is really helpful to understand on why you might not need as many carbohydrates on a really, you know, low intensity um, recovery run, for example, or just a slow run um, versus someone who is in zone, you know, four, five, or six doing a speed workout or doing high mileage plus um, mixed in efforts. So that one I think is really helpful just to understand um, what you're burning at what heart rate um, level. Do you, do you work with like zone heart rates? With yeah. Your when she okay. was saying zones, I was going to clarify to everybody. She's talking about heart rate zones. I, I actually was just talking um, about this with um, one of the new athletes I'm coaching. He's a cardiologist and I'm like, Oh, imposter syndrome much. I'm coaching a cardiologist. Um, I've already had enough imposter syndrome coaching like OBGYNs. And um, there's another doctor I'm coaching. I'm always like, you're so much smarter than me, you know, <laughs> or I, you just know a lot of stuff. Um, I feel that way too. <laughs> but anyway, he was really going diving into his um, heart rate stuff, which I'm like, you're a cardiologist. Of course, that is yeah. something you're really into. You got over <laughs> I focus on effort levels. I'm like, your easy effort uh-huh. level is like four to five out of 10. Your tempo level is like six and a half mm-hmm. to seven out of 10. You're doing intervals, those longer intervals. That's going to be like eight out of 10. And then like real short intervals, like 8.5, nine out of 10. I kind of mm-hmm. break it up like that. So I would see that as like zone one is four to five and then zone mm-hmm. two, you know, mm-hmm. um, but I don't necessarily so look at the heart rate. Yeah. So let's just fold in nutrition with that. So your easy effort would be mostly burning fat, you know, utilizing fat for your fuel source. Tempo, you know, it's going to be still the higher percentage of fat, but maybe a little carbohydrate mixed in there. And then the switchover likely occurs in that interval phase where we're getting closer to that 50% carb, 50% fat. And then the short one, the short intervals um, are definitely going to be mostly carbohydrate, less fat. Why, and then, why is that? Yeah, because carbohydrate is the quickest form of fuel. Okay, okay. And you yes, need it quicker because yes. you're like working so hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, your body actually has to convert fat to a carb to then utilize. Um, so once you tap out of your carbohydrate stores in your body and there's nothing left, yes, your body can use fat, but it has to convert it mm. and then utilize it as a carb. Um, same, you know, same thing. It might also pull from your muscle mass. It might pull protein and convert it then to a carb and then utilize it. So that's why carbohydrate is like the quickest energy um, because there's no conversion that has to happen. This episode of All Have Another Podcast is supported by Athletic Greens. I've seen a lot of information about Athletic Greens over the years and I finally have dove in and tried it myself and am loving it. I wake up in the morning and I mix it with eight ounces of water, which I was drinking water in the morning anyway before my coffee. 
So that's how I have my water now. I have Athletic Greens water. The biggest difference I have noticed is my energy earlier in the morning, which is great because I like to wake up and be awake for about two hours before I go on my run. This morning, that meant waking up at five, taking my Athletic Greens about 45 minutes later, having some coffee, and then going for a run at seven. Athletic Greens will help with gut health, help with energy levels, and optimize your immune system. It's kind of like an all-in-one fix. With 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food sourced ingredients, probiotics, and adaptogens. AG1 is a small micro habit with big benefits. It's one thing you can do every single day to take care of yourself. And it contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals, or artificial anything while still tasting good. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash Lindsay, L-I-N-D-S-E-Y. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash Lindsay to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. All right, friends, back to the show. You know, I always tell athletes, I think almost everybody tells people this when you're training, for, when you're running a marathon or like a long run, you want to fuel every like what, 40 to 50 minutes, like 45 ish minutes. Mm-hmm. And we are just handed these like goose and chomps and things like that. And mm-hmm. we already went over the hydration electrolyte topic. If you haven't listened to that, friends, go back and listen to that because we majorly hit on how many electrolyte, how much electrolytes you need to be taking on your runs. But when we look at these products, how do we know, like, is that enough carbs? Like Mm -hmm. I'm eating every 45 minutes. Maybe this package says it's a hundred calories, but like, is it enough carbs? We already know what we need to do with the electrolytes, but like, what about the Mm -hmm. carb situation? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Really good question. Because they're not all created equal. Right. You know, they can't just make it easy for us. <laughs> um, okay. So when it comes to uh, the amount, you're going to be looking again at two things. Um, intensity. How intensely are you doing this workout? And then what's the duration of your workout? Okay. So there's a really awesome chart. We can link all of these. Um, so there's a really awesome chart that shows... Um, you know, if you're just doing something less than 60 minutes, I think we would all agree you don't really need to bring a source of fuel with you. Uh, but research does show even just taking like a swish of a carbohydrate solution kind of brings us brings some life to us. So that is um, less than 60 minutes. Once you get into 60 minutes and beyond, so 60 minutes to really two hours, we're going to be working on 30 grams per hour. Okay. So 30 grams per hour if you're 60 minutes, two hours. So, but wait, question about that. Mm -hmm. If you take your fuel at 45 minutes and then you take another one at 90 minutes, Mm -hmm. are you looking for like 20 grams per product? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a really, that is a really good question. So yes, I would probably look at that like 20 gram. Okay. Yeah. Because you're taking it 15 minutes early. Right. You're, yeah. you're ahead of your hour and then, mm-hmm. but then it starts kind of the clock starts getting away from you. And then you're like, yep. I'm only at 90 minutes. And then my third one's going to come at two fifteen. So that would put me at 30, 60, what, like 75 or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would shoot for, um, 
around 20. And again, this can be a range. Okay. So I know, I know there's some products that even have like 15 grams. And I know there's some products that have 20, some that have 25. And so 15 is so, on the low end. You might want to think yeah, about, okay. I, I don't, yeah. I don't know that there's anything less than 15 either. Um, but I would shoot for, like you said, around that 20 every 45 minutes. Um, and again, keeping in mind that you only have 90 minutes stored in your muscles when you start, right? So that's why, that's why we don't want you to wait until an hour 15, right? We really want to get you going, um, at that 45 minute mark. So what about your, your, say your fuel has 20 grams of carbohydrates in it. You're like gel, Mm -hmm. but you're also sipping on an electrolyte drink. Mm -hmm. You could make. Like, I guess you'd have to look at how much, how many grams of carbs are in that electrolyte drink as well and kind of combine, like add that up. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. Uh, for my athletes, I generally recommend keeping electrolyte drinks separate from my fuel source. So a lot of the electrolyte products that I recommend don't have carbohydrates. Okay. But if you are using something um, like Martin, for example, that, that does carbs have in carbs in it, okay. I would totally add that in. Because okay. the last thing you want to do is only look at your gels and then you're also sipping on stuff and then you end up with an upset stomach. Yeah, probably too many. Overfueled. Okay, yeah. that's interesting. Exactly. All right. Yep. Yeah, so definitely look. And you can do the same thing for sodium. I think we had mentioned this mm-hmm. in the last episode. Figure out how much sodium is in your drink plus also your actual solid products. Okay. You might notice, Lindsay, like on this chart here, there is obviously a difference between moderate and hard, right? If you are doing like hard effort, like racing a marathon, you're going to be starting that 60 gram per hour at like two hours. Okay. So but you, if you bump up the further you get into the race. You bump up. Yeah. The further you get into the race, but then also the higher effort level. Because so you're working you like, harder, even if your yeah, pace like isn't quick enough. If you are trying to qualify for Boston, right? You are working really hard and you are focusing this entire race, you know, versus maybe if you're like the first time or second time marathon runner where you're just like, I really just want to finish, right? Those are two different fueling options there. Yeah. Um, one, somebody, this, the first person is going to be burning a lot more carbohydrate because they're going to be at a higher intensity level. Whereas the second person's going to be burning you know, maybe 50, 50, the person that's trying to qualify for Boston or like pushing the their pers- body a little is, bit more. Yeah. They're, they're going to be burning a lot okay. more carbs. Um, so for that person, you're saying stick with 30 grams of carbs per hour until you get to two hours. And then at two hours, bump it up to 60 grams of carbs mm-hmm. per hour. Mm-hmm. And then um, you get to three hours and are you going up more? Yeah, it goes up to 90. Wow. It, yeah, it does. Now I have to caution you that you can't, you, you have to train your gut to do this. Yeah. Right. This is a, something that you have to practice. And yeah, you have you'll to get trained. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and the other thing to think about is like, you also have to train under the same intensity. You have to do a couple runs with that intensity. Yeah. That's the point at which you are actually utilize you're burning and utilizing carbs. If you're going out on a really, you know, a 20 mile run out, moderate to low intensity and trying to practice 90 grams per hour, you might end up with an upset stomach because you're not burning the same amount of carbohydrates because your intensity is so much lower. So you would practice this on a run where you have like a 20 mile run on your schedule and you're running 10 of those miles at marathon pace and pra- yes. and, and run those 10 miles at the back mm-hmm. end of the run. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, exactly. So you need you need a handful of runs that are built like that. I mean, I you always do. I always start at like six miles at marathon pace or something like that, and then like slowly build them up, um, or like four miles even. And um, yeah, so that's why. Yeah, and that's the thing about f- practicing fueling. It's like you only have so many day marathon long mm-hmm. run days where you're running marathon pace. I mean, I alternate weeks for people. So like if you're running marathon pace on your long run this weekend, next weekend, you're going to have an easy long run mm-hmm. and go back and forth. Right. So if you really think about a 16 week yeah. training plan, that's not that a lot is, of time. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You maybe get like what five. Yeah. Something like that. Be even like the full eight. Probably. And I mean, some of these people listening, they've done, you know, marathon season after season mm-hmm. and they've had years to train for this, but right. Um, right. Yeah. I guess, Proceed with caution. Yeah. Just don't, don't overdo it. Like, no. Yeah. Yeah. You definitely want to practice and you can practice during those, you know, like you had mentioned, um, the really intense runs during the week. Like you'd mentioned like an, um, an eight or 10 mile is like a midweek long run. Yeah. Yeah. A midweek long run or like even the higher intensity, um, runs during the week. The only difference is, is that would only be like an hour. Um, versus, you know, you being out there for three hours at a higher intensity. So time would be different, um, but you can still practice it. I would just potentially delete your pre-run snack sure, so that you can actually do some good fueling during the run. So say you have like a 75-minute midweek run where you're doing like – Say you're doing like a five or six mile tempo run sandwiched in between like a three mile warm up and a three mile cool down. Would you mm-hmm. practice taking in that those carbs like at three miles into the tempo or something? Mm-hmm. I would. Okay. Um, and maybe even okay. So I was gonna say maybe even one like during the warm up and then one during. Okay. Um, you're training your gut, people. Yeah, and and I mean you'd be going over an hour, so. And we're skipping our pre-run snack so that we have, that we can utilize, you know, that energy we're taking in during the run. So I'd probably do one during the warm-up and then one during the workout. Okay. I think people have to get away from thinking like, oh, I don't need it during that. And it's like, no, we're Mm -hmm. not saying you do need it during that workout. This is just practice. You're practicing so that when you are racing, like your gut's like, oh, I've done this before. And like, maybe you learn that like your gut can't handle that and you have to like figure out a different way to do it or like a different product. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cause there's a big difference between taking in a carbohydrate with your gut at rest or at a low intensity than putting your gut under stress, which is, you know, high intensity running and lack of oxygen and then taking in a gel or a chew like your, your body's going to react differently to that. So that's what we really want you to feel comfortable with. Okay. I like that. Okay. So in the, in the show notes, I'm going to link, somehow link this chart, like the, the 30 grams per hour, the 60 grams at two hours, 90 grams yeah, at three. I'll, give, I'll update this sheet with like the links to the websites. Um, let's lastly to hit on, um, if people aren't like their gut does not like goo or, I want to let everybody know that I've been taking, is it Huma? Huma? Mm-hmm. How do you say the it? The Chia ones. I love, I mean, I've done it twice now. I loved those. I've never tried them before. Mm-hmm. They were so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they are really good. Yeah. So there was one more resource that I found today that I just thought was really great. It was um, on the Precision 
fuel and hydration website, they have this hierarchy of fueling needs. Okay. Um, and at the bottom was how much carb, right? So that's where we have to start is figuring out how much do we need um, based on how long we're going and the intensity that we're going to be doing that at. And then the second thing is the type of product. So we are, are we someone who likes drinks? Do we like gels? Do we like chews? Do we like bars or, or real food like you mentioned? Mm -hmm. So that's kind of the second thing to figure out. Um, and then beyond that is the source of carb. So maybe for some people, you know, the, the carbs that are generally there are either glu glucose or fructose um, or, you know, different types of carbs like a super starch or a hydrogel, um, those newer forms. So then that's kind of like the top part. Like if you've, if you've got the how much and you've got the type of product, um, then you can start to figure out like, okay, is there a certain type of sugar that works better for me than others? Like maybe the super starch works better for me because it doesn't spike my blood sugar. Maybe the hydrogel works better for me. Um, or maybe you're someone who just really does better with whole foods. So you go for things like honey or um, dates or apricots or raisins, uh, cranberries, prunes, or figs. Those are all, so it's basically like dried fruit. <laughs> Do we have to worry about like the fiber that's in any of those though? Uh, I'm, I guess I'm going to say you're likely not taking in enough Okay. to get close to worrying about that. Um, but again, it's like everybody's different. But everybody is different. So yeah, I, I guess I would say, yeah to be conscious of what you're taking in and that it may have fiber in it versus, you know, going with something like a gel that doesn't for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the only other thing, like kind of like the highest level to look at is if you're few, if you were going beyond two and a half hours, um, you would want to be looking for two types of, um, sugars in your gels, like a glucose and a fructose. Because when we put our gut under stress for that long, it does need multiple types of sugar or we could end up like if you're only if you're only fueling with glucose, you could end up with an upset stomach because being under stress for that long, um, you your body just can't process it fast enough. So then we start to use things called like multiple transportable sugars. So where you're using fructose and glucose. Do most products have both in them? A lot of them do. But some um, don't. But some don't. Yeah. So, I mean, like, uh, for example, raisins are half and half. Raisins are half glucose, half fructose. Okay. Um, so I wanna, now I want to look at, like, the Humagel. I'm like, does that – what is that? Uh, that's a good question. Um, so, a lot of sports beverages um, or sports products have maltodextrin in it. Um, or, and then some sort of fructose. So, it could be a combination of several types. Okay. And really, and, and like I said, you don't, it's not something you really have to, to really be diligent on unless you're getting in that beyond two and a half hours. Okay. Last thing I want to cover as far as, as fueling is like morning of race, like more marathon morning. Mm -hmm. So when you work with athletes, obviously I know you practice like what they're eating, you know, night before morning of long runs. Um, and so that's kind of look a little bit different, but like, do we want to look at for breakfast, like the percentages of carbs, protein, and fat mm -hmm. we want to be taking in in the morning? Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. So this is one where you're going to want to take in a full meal, at least three hours out. 
So I, I know that could be I really never early. do that. I know. Um, I, you know, I, well, I will say one of my marathon runners had a, like some, because of the COVID stuff, some, it seems like a lot of them are going to more of a tailored start. Mm -hmm. So for, it can be a little bit easier for those who are starting at like 10 AM, you know, versus like a six or 7 AM. Um, so yeah, I def, I know that it's hard if you're, you know, have to be there at like five in the morning or four 30 in the morning. Um, but that's where I would probably take the hard athlete plate and I would divide it in half. And maybe you, you know, on your drive to the race course, you're eating um, like oatmeal with a banana in it um, and peanut butter. So you're getting in, you know, your car- a little bit of your carbohydrate, maybe half your carbohydrate section, um, half your fruit section and a little bit of peanut butter for some protein. Um, and then maybe, you know, we would go with another snack then probably an hour out. So that would probably be like a PB and J or a bar that you're really used to. Um, something that you are able to take with you that you, you know, is familiar to you and you've practiced with. So for a lot of athletes, peanut butter and jelly is just so easy because you can transport it. Um, and it doesn't have to be refrigerated. So again, if you can do the, the actual meal three hours out, do that. If you can't cut it in half, and you could do two snacks. Um, so like the oatmeal, banana, peanut butter, and then maybe a half of a peanut butter and jelly um, and a gel as you get closer to the I mean, I guess when, as you say that, I'm like, that's not that much food. Like I could, yeah, I, mm-hmm. I feel like I usually do like half of a bagel with peanut butter, a banana, and then I like have a uh, like some goo chomps or something like right before or like honey stinger chomps like right mm-hmm. before we start. So I probably need a little bit more than that, but a really easy way to get in, um, some really good fuel on race morning is through juice. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, if you're someone who feels like visually something feels like too much food, like if you can't do more than your half bagel and banana, then just, if you added a eight ounce glass of orange juice to it, that's going to help you out so much. Make sure you practice it though. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Okay. I love it. Exactly. And then listen, if you just finished a marathon, you eat whatever your little heart desires. Yes. <laughs> Go to your favorite restaurant, find something cool and local. <laughs> and we, you know, if you've been listening to this series, I know at some point we've talked about, you know, how to refuel after the run, but maybe, maybe we can just quickly hit on percentage of carbs, protein, fat, like for our post-workout. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So our post-workout, I would probably, um, I would, I guess that I think it's easy to keep in your head, like 20 to 30 grams of protein. So I'd try and shoot for 20 to 30 grams of protein. Um, and then, you know, beyond that, I would aim for maybe twice that in carbohydrates. Mm-hmm. So that would be about 60 grams of carbohydrates. So that could be easily be, you know, if you were a morning runner and you end, um, that could easily be your breakfast, your oatmeal, and maybe you have a protein shake with it. Yeah. Um, if you're someone who's running in the afternoon, um, that could easily be your dinner or it could be a snack, um, like a yogurt parfait type of snack. I feel like I'm, I'm the person who like, I can't ever 
commit to when I'm going to work out that day. I know. It's just kind of like today, I just swam at lunch down at the lake, swimming around all the kids at the beach. Oh, that's so fun. <laughs> it was, and they were very nice and didn't get mad at me for getting in my swim. That's so fun. Um, you know, during their playtime. That's so much uh, cooler than swimming in a pool. Yeah, it is. I know. I'm trying to take advantage of it. That's awesome. Um, but obviously it would be clear at 630 in the morning and nobody would be there. Yeah. But also, I don't know. I kind of like the idea of people jumping people around because I'm like, you know, the fishies stay away. Yeah. Um. So, so for most people, if they know when they're working out, it can easily be a meal or a snack. And again, hit for that 20 to 30 grams of protein and then somewhere around 50 to 60 grams of carbohydrates or just make it your meal, make it your moderate athlete plate. Yeah. And you don't even have to think about it. Yeah. I'm pretty hardcore. Like I have, well, I have this smoothie that I love to make if I've done a harder effort that it serves for me as a mini meal. It's like not just mm-hmm. a post run snack, but also not a full meal. Cause a mm-hmm. lot of times, especially if it's hot, I'm just like, I don't want food right now. Mm-hmm. And so I make a pretty high calorie nutrient dense smoothie. That's really good. But if it's like mm-hmm. quick and I know I have to go run somewhere with the kids, I will just shake up that protein powder. I use Prevenex, which I really like mm-hmm. and eat a banana and like mm-hmm. go like quick, think, shake up, yeah. go eat a banana. I do the exact same thing. Yeah. I will always um, use powdered protein. I think, and I'm going to make an assumption here, but after having worked with several um, marathon runners, I feel like protein sometimes just kind of gets left behind. But yeah, I do. I think protein shakes are a really easy way to get in to ensure you're getting in 20 to 30 grams it, for you sure. You just don't even have to think about it either. You yeah, just like do it. It's really it. nice. Yeah. Um, all right, cool. Well, Anna, thanks for this. Yeah, you're welcome. I do have uh, the athlete plate challenge. So if anybody is wanting to like, maybe just feels like they need to recenter themselves around um, their fueling and just kind of want to double check and make sure that they're aligning their fueling with their training. Um, I have the athlete plate challenge course, which is really fun. Um, so we can do a 10% discount on that. Okay. Um, with just discount 10 is the code. Okay. And where do we find that? Oh, uh, I'll send you the link. Okay. <laughs> it's on my website. Yeah. It's on atsportsnutrition.com. Okay. And then also Anna's Instagram will be linked in the show notes as well. Yep. And, um, you'll be able to find all that information. I hope that you all have found like helpful information in all of these episodes. I know it's like so many different things that we've covered in these six episodes um, with different registered dietitians who work with athletes. But, um, you know, I think like if you listen to six of these episodes and like you made three small changes that have been game changers Mm -hmm. for you and your training, our work here is done. I feel so good Mm -hmm. about that. So absolutely. um, Yeah. Thank you, Anna, for being such a big part of this series. You're welcome. Thanks, Lindsay, for having me. Thanks so much for being here today. Thank you, Anna, for participating in this series. You all go follow Anna, Anna Turner underscore sports nutrition on Instagram. You can find me, Lindsay Hines 626 on Instagram as well. I would love to connect with you there. Thanks for being here and we will see you Friday with a new episode of All Have Another.